This meeting is now being recorded. Shalom, everyone. This is Elliot Schoenberg speaking, International Director of Placement for the Rabbinical Assembly. Welcome to Chodesh Tov, a monthly series of podcasts brought to you by the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies in Los Angeles, the Jewish Theological Seminary America in New York, the Schechter Rabbinical Institute in Jerusalem, and the International Rabbinical Assembly. Our guest today is Rabbi Aubrey L. Glazer, Senior Rabbi of JCCH, the Jewish Center of Harrison in Westchester County, New York. He received his Ph.D. from the University of Toronto. His research centers on Jewish spirituality. He's the author of several books, one of which he will be addressing today, The Pillar of Prayer. Welcome, Rabbi Glazer. Thank you, Rabbi Schoenberg. It's wonderful to be able to share in some of this wonderful cutting-edge research that I'm sure will be of great interest to many uh, spiritual seekers and colleagues alike. The work is called Pillar of Prayer, Amuda Tzila, Guidance in Contemplative Prayer, Sacred Study, and the Spiritual Life from the Baal Shem Tov and his circle. What I'd like to do with you now is to share with you three windows into this most remarkable work. I want to describe the state of research in the field of Hasidism, then share with you the perspective of this series that's published by Fons Vitae. The series is called Spiritual Affinities, and then read and contextualize um, one or two sections from the, the actual spiritual affinity that is part of and parcel of this book. Now, many of us encounter people who say that they are spiritual but not religious. When we encounter this kind of situation, which um, is running ripe through most of American Jewry today, it's remarkable when we turn to the treasures of the Jewish treasure chest that Hasidism occupies such a large part of that treasure trove, and yet oftentimes it's so neglected. And I believe that whoever has not seen the transformation in the academic study of Hasidism has not really been able to see the true joy of research regarding the contemplative life. Now, we know that intellectual historians of Judaism and philosophers of religion, since the end of the renowned Gershom Shalom's reign at Hebrew University, have been engaging in a kind of reflective process, a revision and reappraisal of the history of Jewish mysticism. And in the last few decades, there have been turning points that inspired this kind of self-reflection on the state of Hasidism, as Ada Rappaport-Alpert has remarked, that was really a function of both increasing access to Eastern European archives and libraries, as well as a revision of Gershom Shalom's last phase in the famous lectures that he gave at JTS and Columbia that became known in 1946 as Major Trends in Jewish Mysticism. On the other hand, the turning point in the study of Hasidism has been a function of social historical research of Hasidism, the likes of Moshe Rossman's family. And despite some of the clarification in the ongoing debate within the academy in Israel between Moshe Rossman and Emmanuel Lutkus over how to and how not to read 
sources of hagiography, that is, what we would call the lives of the saints, much remains to be done, especially in light of the important recent work of other Israeli scholars like Chaviva Padaya and Yoni Garb, who are bringing to light the centrality of different types of mystical experiences. Some of them are introverted, as opposed to extroverted mystical experiences, and even introducing the category of shamanism into the study of Jewish mysticism. The moment of self-transformation for what becomes known to spiritual seekers and academics alike as Bestian Hasidism, that is, the Hasidut, the science of love, that was revealed by Rabbi Israel um, Ben Eliezer Baal Shem Tov, Master of the Good Name, I argue took place somewhere around the time of his journey, his mystical journey to Istanbul en route to Israel around 1742. And only by returning to this neglected moment of his journey will the last moment of the Baal Shem Tov's great contribution to spiritual seeking be better understood within the context of the history of religions and more specifically of Jewish spirituality. And what has not been fully addressed, remarkably, is the role and the relationship of non-Jewish religious culture to the remodulation of Bastian Hasidism. And this larger context of what we would call a spiritual affinity, that is the meeting of one religious culture with another, really, in the world of Hasidism, remains a terra incognita. It is a landscape that is required much investigation. And too often, we presuppose that there is a sense of Jewish aboriginality, that is, that everything that exists within the Jewish spiritual life began and was always from a Jewish source. And so we have to reconsider the cultural context and in many ways the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, to understand and appreciate a given religious phenomenon. The question is almost never asked in relationship to the remarkable teachings of the Baal Shem Tov would be as follows. How could the unique texture of Islamic mysticism in the Ottoman Empire have any bearing whatsoever on the unique but parochial and apparently insular reality of the Baal Shem Tov and the teachings that he was revealing at his time? And so part of what this study attempts to do is to reorient the research of mysticisms along the Mediterranean basin. And the problem begins with a very myopic view from inside out, namely that Judaism and the evolution of its streams can only be understood from within itself. And the corrective in the study that I am suggesting is to begin again from the outside so as to look anew at the inside. Only then can we truly examine the features of the larger religious cultures, both Jewish and Muslim, Hasidic and Sufi, of the Ottoman Empire at the time of the Baal Shem Tov, and what ethnologists like Marc Gabiro call sociabilities. By beginning the examination from the outside in during the Ottoman Empire, sociabilities suggest looking anew at how camaraderie, collective life, and activity in public life can affect the historical realities and what we will call the course to study devotional sociabilities of Bastian Hasidism and Turkish Sufism. That means, for example, if we have evidence, which we do have a lot of, uh, of coffee houses, of techies, and uh, of other places of mutual um, meeting and exchange, whether it has to do with song, dance, teachings, storytelling, etc., then we look towards those moments of encounter and call them devotional 
sociabilities. That's the third section of this book that is composed of three sections called The Pillar of Prayer. This anthology, when we look at it together, would not have actually been possible if not for the collaborative work of some remarkable rabbis that need to be mentioned here. Firstly, Rabbi Natan Natadunar and Rabbi Shimon Menachem Mendel Vodnik are the two who are responsible for the great anthology from which this annotated translation draws that is known as Sefer Baal Shem Tov Al HaTorah. The two of them worked together for at least 15 years between 1902 and 1916. Rabbi Nathan Nata, who was greatly influenced by the Hasidic Kabbalist Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Yitzchak Safran of Kamarno, who was born in 1806 and died in 1874, he was really the first to provide extensive intertextual commentary on the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and was mainly responsible for collecting the materials. And Rabbi Shimon Mendel transcribed and organized the teachings gleaned from approximately 210 published and manuscript sources. And yet, for some unknown set of reasons, this extremely important work, that is, Sefer Baal Shem Tov al HaTorah, was only published in 1938, too late to have had any lasting effect on Eastern European Jewry amidst the storm cloud of Nazi Germany. This then is part of the inspiration for publishing for the first time the material here in a bilingual annotated edition that draws on much of this edition that was put together by the Kamorna Rabbi, which includes much of his commentary called the Makor Maim Chaim on the Baal Shem Tov's Sefer Baal Shem Tov HaTorah. What makes this collection unique and this perspective unique is that it's part of a series published by Fons Vitae called Spiritual Affinities that I alluded to earlier. So what is a spiritual affinity? Well, part of the purpose of this collection and really this series is to draw more attention to the profound spiritual affinities of Judaism and Islam by establishing new ground where these two faiths can stand together and allow their devotional lives to enrich each other without obliterating or compromising each other. Such shared elements have been called by medieval Judeo-Sufi pietists spiritual affinities, when we look, for example, at the Maimon family and beyond from the 12th through 14th centuries. Through a non-syncretistic comparative approach, both Jewish and Muslim mystics can encounter the tradition of the other, and through this encounter, our hope is that each will catalyze a deeper immersion in returning to their own unique tradition. Entry into the contemplative worlds of the Baal Shem Tov reveals and Rabbi Dr. Menachem Kalish's remarkable annotated translation here in the Pillar of Prayer for all those willing to see through the eyes of insight that there hovers in the heart a way to live out the love of God. And such insight is more deeply cultivated the more that the spiritual affinity, part three of the book, uh, is engaged. This wonderful, remarkable journey between Podolia and Istanbul is revealed before the reader. And that such a remarkable prayer compendium called Amudat Tefillah that scholars, adepts, and seekers have been turning to for years to understand the contemplative life in Judaism, the fact that it was penned during the Ottoman Empire is generally explored without its cultural context in mind, and this is in need of redressing. And so, in my closing spiritual affinity, which occupies the last third of the book, called Imaginal Journeying to Istanbul, Mon Amour, I invite seekers to shift from the microcosm of each letter, which the Baal Shem Tov focuses on throughout Amurat Tfilah, to the macrocosm of each seeker and each adept 
in prayer themselves, traveling from Podolia to Istanbul and back. Only then can that witnessing of the manifold power of prayer and the contemplative life that is present in every pillar of every house of prayer, both Jewish and Muslim, begin to reveal how to truly live the love of God. I want to share with you one excerpt from the third section. This comes from the Kamarno Rabbi, Rabbi Itzhak Itzhak Safran of Kamarno, relating his commentary on the Baal Shem Tov's journey to Istanbul from 1742. And he writes, Even though the heavens ordered him not to take leave, the Besht completely dedicated himself to the journey and took leave in the winter months, and by Passover he was in Istanbul. Once there he performed wonders and awesome acts until the word reached the Caliph's palace. And whatever happened, happened, causing the Besht to flee by boat. The heavens demanded that he return, but the Besht refused, and so his spiritual consciousness dissipated, especially in prayer and study, to the point where he no longer knew how to pray, Baruch Shamar, from the prayer book, for he could not even understand the letters. So while the present exploration into the dawning of the Baal Shem Tov's Hasidism and its evolution regarding different modalities of contemplation like asceticism, prayer, embarrassment, rebuke, music, and dance will make use of some of the historical discoveries and methods, ultimately the journey to the devotional truth requires a kind of language that may include but also has to transcend sometimes scientific and conventional historical frameworks. The beginning of this collection Suggest, which was written by Rabbi Dr. Moshe Aaron Krasen, a new way of looking at the Baal Shem Tov. In his introduction, he refers to the Baal Shem Tov as a prophet of a new paradigm, the one who is able to rebirth and awaken in others the capacity for direct mystical experience. And this journey is composed of many layers, the most salient one of the subtle level that is experienced in what are known as Yehudim, or the ability to integrate spiritual as well as intellectual and embodied knowledge within the imagination, the religious imagination. And the hope of uncovering yet another rich layer in that story of the spiritual journey from Katnut to Gadlut, that is from innocence to freedom, encountered in this journey from Istanbul en route to Yerushalayim, which is forever in the offing, that is indispensable for appreciating the evolution of key aspects in Hasidism of the Baal Shem Tov as well as his great-grandson, Reb Nachman of Breslov. But too often what we find is that the academic questions that we ask elide the seeker's devotional needs, ultimately remaining obscured by the neglected lenses of spiritual history. And so part of the purpose of the spiritual affinity of the series in general, but more specifically this this series uh, on the Baal Shem Tov is to sketch the contours of a proliferation of Sufi sociabilities within the Baal Shem Tov's environs from Podolia, stretching all the way from Podolia to Istanbul during the Ottoman rule and back, especially but not limited to his 1742 journey to Istanbul. Without comparing and contextualizing the culture of Turkish, Turkish Sufism, whether uh, relating to its forms of music, of dance, and of prayer, devotional sociabilities within the Ottoman world, which were so common, then the deeper devotional appreciation of Bastian Hasidism is very, very difficult to uh, acquire. 
And in many ways, its regeneration is flattened even three generations later through Reb Nachman of Breslov's journey to Istanbul. And so I'll conclude with some of the guiding questions that have been with me along this journey of conceiving, creating, writing, and editing this remarkably inspiring volume of the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, which we completed during the 250th yard site of the Baal Shem Tov's passing. Here are some of those questions which I think will intrigue many seekers as well as academics um, entering into this wonderful journey from Istanbul and onwards to Yerushalayim and back. Just what was it that the Baal Shem Tov experienced in Istanbul that caused his spiritual consciousness to dissipate, only then to flourish into rebirthing, as the Kamarna Rabbi said earlier, what was it that caused his Histalkut Hamadrigo? And if Yerushalayim was the apparent destination, why then did the Baal Shem Tov's true rebirthing take place in Istanbul and not in Yerushalayim? What connection, if any, is there between the Baal Shem Tov's spiritual rebirthing in Istanbul as the site of Turkish Sufi sociability, and Istanbul as the nadar later of earlier on of Shabtai Tzvi's unrealized messianic aspiration? Did the Baal Shem Tov perceive his spiritual calling as a kind of rectification or tikkun of the failed messianism of Shabtai Tzvi in 1666? Did he want to be able to carry forward through the gate of the keeper of the gate and complete the swerve tikkun with Istanbul's Turkish Sufi sociabilities? Or more pointedly, how can we fully understand the revelation of the Baal Shem Tov's devotional path without contextualizing it relative to the devotional sociabilities of the surrounding Turkish Sufi orders, such as the Kalawatiya, the Bakhtashiya, and the uh, Melvalaviya, and the Nakshabandiya, as well as radical dervish deviants like the Kalanders, the Hidaris, and the Malamatiyas. Why was the Baal Shem Tov's journey into this cloud of unknowing, of iyadiya, the evolutionary oscillation between constricted and expanded consciousness, especially effective in the realm of Torah and Tzilah, in the realm of study and prayer. Or to put it another way, if prayer is a journey into the imaginal realm, that interworld between the imagination and the reality, how impactful was this journey to Istanbul in the evolution of the Baal Shem Tov's spiritual consciousness? These are some of the questions that I leave each and every seeker to uh, ultimately explore and discover in the book. And I argue that something significant took place at those junctures of devotional sociabilities in the journey to Istanbul, as well as in the history of the spiritual development of the Hasidic movement's visionary seeker, the prophet of a new paradigm, the one that we always return to, to reimagine and to reignite the flame of our hearts when we practice the science of radical love that we call Hasidism. Enjoy. Thank you, Rabbi Glazer. This has been Chodesh Tov, a product and project of the International Rabbinical Assembly. This is your host, Elliot Schoenberg, wishing you all Chodesh Tov.